Professor Jeremiah McCoy, the monstrous ecologist. I have been asked by the esteemed Dr. Jeff Greiner here on the Tome Show to help enlighten his listeners to the various vagaries of villainous flora and fauna vis-a-vis monsters. In these tales from the desk of the monstrous ecologist, I will be digging into various inspirations for the monsters in D&D, both real-world and fictional, as well as various iterations through the various editions. I will hopefully entertain you with some details that you might not know. Maybe it will also give inspiration in how to use said monsters in your campaign. Now, few creatures in all the legends of the Western world are as iconic and as evocative as the unicorn. They are also one of the oldest legendary creatures known throughout Europe and much of Asia in one in one form or another. They, like dragons, have seemingly always been with us in a few cultures and have evolved as the cultures evolved. The earliest symbols of unicorns appears to have been made in the Indus Valley on seals used by the Harappa, which is uh, located in what is now Punjab. It was a powerful and successful Bronze Age civilization. These symbols, showing unicorns, were made around 3300 BCE. Now, there are theories that these early unicorns may have been poorly drawn oryx, which is sort of like an antelope with two narrow horns. Unsurprisingly, the legends of unicorns spread from there to Greece, through trade and immigration. In Greece, they show up in natural histories, though the animal described actually sounds more like a species of rhinoceros than the more horse-related unicorns that we are familiar with today. The Persians portrayed an animal more like the unicorn we know today, with wings like a pegasus. It is not till we get to medieval Europe that we get the version we are familiar with the most. The thin horse or donkey-like wild creature that can only be tamed by a maiden. It is said the unicorn will lay its head in the lap of a virgin. This, more or less, is tied to the Christian doctrine surrounding Mary. And there is a whole discussion to be had about the obsession with virginity in Western culture. Uh, But that may be beyond our purview. At any rate, this version of the unicorn is more or less the version we work with today. In Asia, specifically in Japan, the Kirin also often resembles the classic unicorn with a single horn. It's a descendant of the Chinese creature, the Kilin. I may have gotten that pronunciation wrong, just to be fair, uh, which also sometimes has a single horn. These creatures are on par with dragons and phoenixes. As a side note, it is not often I have to look up the plural of phoenix, but here we are. Any discussion of unicorns in culture would not be complete without a discussion of The Last Unicorn by Peter S. Beagle. 
The novel was written in the 60s and was later turned into a beloved movie by Rankin Bass. The premise of the story is that the last unicorn in the world discovers that she is in fact the last and sets out to find out where the rest of the unicorns went. Unlike unicorns from medieval myth, the last unicorn is not about pure and chaste women. Rather, it is about the loss of dreams and magic in the world. It's actually about a lot of things, but the loss of magical things is a major theme. The book and the movie are classic and should be sought out by scholars. Or anyone, really. The unicorn in the story does strongly resemble the ones we find in D&D later, so it'll be of good interest to you D&D scholars out there. With magical powers and an otherworldly nature, it does strongly resemble the one we know. And now we come to D&D itself. Dungeons & Dragons has included unicorns since the first iterations of the game. Given the ubiquity of unicorns in Western myth, it's not really surprising. They stand in as a sign of purity and good in wild places. The Western version of the myth, with unicorns only allowing virgins to touch them, is here in the original D&D version. In the original white box D&D set, we find the unicorn as a monster listing. Uh, the listing is a bit spare. Quote, Only a maiden, in the strictest sense of the term, a pure and noble heart, may approach the fierce and elusive unicorn. Unicorns may be ridden by maiden warriors and will obey them. Otherwise, they will avoid human contact unless pressed. Later in the text, they are also described as very magical with the ability to dimension door away from a being they don't want to interact with. The first edition monster manual for the Advanced Dungeons and Dragons lists them as rare in frequency and moderately powerful. This is not a creature you generally fight in most games. You might seek out a unicorn for various reasons, but fighting them is not normally a heroic activity. There are more details about their normal habitats being in the forested regions. They are immune to most poisons, fight with their horns, which counts as a plus two magical weapon, and they maintain a teleportability instead of dimension door, though they are largely similar. They also have a lot of ability to detect people near them. Uh, the requirement of pure maidens remains part of the write-up. The specification is that if they are tamed by this pure individual, the unicorn remains very loyal. The second edition had the largest expansion of the unicorn in D&D so far. The second edition definitely explored the unicorn more than any other edition before or since. The monster manual listing for the unicorn is largely similar to the previous version, but has slightly more details. The range in which they can sense a threat is listed as 240 yards. They also describe how a unicorn will mark a forest as being under their protection. They do give a lifespan in excess of a thousand years, 
and there are a few other minor extra details. But this is largely the same unicorn found in first edition. There was more variation found in the Dragon Magazine article released in this era. In Dragon Magazine 190, an article written by Michael John Weibo lists a dozen variants of unicorns. The details are brief, including new effects, their ecology, and a brief description. They also list what their severed horns can be used for. Here's some examples. The alicorn is exactly like the sylvan unicorn described in the main text, but with a gnarled and twisted horn. They mainly use a charm effect to defend themselves. As a side note, alicorn is actually the name of the material that you find in unicorn horns, according to legend. Just something to keep in mind. We also have the bay unicorn. They are chestnut-colored with glowing red eyes. They can cast things like burning hands, uh, from their horn, of course, uh, heat metal, pyrotechnics, produce flame, and even fireball. They are found underground, mostly. Black unicorns are glossy black jet creatures with completely black eyes. They are sometimes called nightmares causing some confusion with the Outer Plains monster of the same name. They have powers related to darkness, silence, and can only teleport in such darkness. Brown unicorns are unicorns with light brown body hair and dark brown tails, horns, and eyes. Their powers, while specifically listed as non-psionic, are leaning towards psychic powers, with telepathy and sleep. They tend to live in the deserts. The Kudaquin is similar to the Sylvan Unicorn, the main unicorn, if you would, except that it is more silvery in color than white. They also have the ability to change someone's alignment, which was more of an important thing in the second edition days than it is these days. Fairy Unicorns have a green tint, to their white fur and horns, and they have bright green eyes. They are similar to the other unicorns. They are just smaller. They blend into the forest like they were wearing a cloak of elven kind, which means they are harder to see. Not quite invisible, but close enough for normal people. The gray unicorns are light gray unicorns with a gray horn and gray eyes. They reflect physical attacks back on anyone who attacks them at melee range. Uh, they are also approachable by neutral women and girls. Again, alignment was much more important in 2nd edition than it is now. Uh, we have p the Palomino and Pinto unicorns. Uh, they are colored like the horse breeds of the same name. Uh, the Palomino casts cold-based effects, and the Pinto casts a color spray effect. Sea unicorns have blue eyes and can switch between different forms. A bluish horse, a seahorse with a horn, and a narwhal, which has a horn in the real world. 
They can control weather as per the spell. And finally, we'll wrap this up with the Unisys, which is a unicorn crossed with a Pegasus, complete with wings. Otherwise, it's pretty much the same as a normal unicorn and or Pegasus combined. We also should mention the Zebracorn, which is a zebra with a horn, and it can shapeshift. That is quite a variety of unicorns, isn't it? Well, the black unicorn actually gets mentioned in other sources. Uh, the Forgotten Realm supplement Spellbound includes black unicorns. This supplement focused mainly on the realms around Thay and the Red Wizards. This version is expressly evil and will only allow evil humans or drow to ride them. They are part of the Thean Elite Calvary. An Ebon Unicorn is killing people in the adventure called the Shattered Circle. So, as you can see, we have a lot more interesting variation in the Unicorn in 2nd Edition. Now, in 3rd Edition, 3.5, monsters were treated as a template, which you could apply to character classes or not to vary their abilities. This was applied to the Unicorn. An example is found in the 3.5 Monster Manual. The Unicorn is presented with the expected lawful good alignment, a large beast with superior attributes. It also has teleportation, a constant circle of protection from evil active, and it is also immune to some things like poison and disease. Included in the main Unicorn listing is an example of a Unicorn with levels of Cleric. In this, we get some wider range of special abilities we saw in earlier editions of the Unicorn. The Celestial Charger is the level-up version with spells, better armor, attack, and write-up explains that they are dedicated to Elona. Elona is originally the goddess found in Greyhawk, but she has since been made part of the Forgotten Realms as well. Her holy symbol is a unicorn rampant. She is a neutral good goddess who values beauty, and particularly the beauty of nature. It is unsurprising, then, that the living example of that would be the unicorn. Now we come to 4th edition. Monsters were presented differently yet again. The monsters were presented in what they could do and how often. This was less utilitarian toolbox approach than 3rd edition, and the unicorns were more narrowly defined. This leads to a low to mid-tier creature with teleportation and piercing attacks with its horn. It also gains a fey beguiling ability, which is a charming effect, making it hard to attack them. They do have an upgraded version called the Dusk Unicorn, is much the same with similar abilities, just more powerful and tougher to fight. There really isn't any change to the update of the lore in 4th edition for unicorns. <laughs> now, of course, we come to our current iteration of the unicorns in 5th edition. These are somewhat back in line with the 2nd edition versions. It is able to heal those it wants to, but it's still standoffish with teleportation. It attacks in much the same way. It has more abilities with regional effects and legendary actions. 
This version is possibly the most unified presentation of unicorns in monster manuals yet, detailing how it fits into the world. It discusses their role as forest guardians, their use as mounts for certain groups, and how they are related to divinity. The lore is not so much changed as refined from the previous versions. A few notable iconic unicorns should be mentioned. The first is unfortunately Uni, the unicorn from the D&D cartoon. Few unicorns have ever been hated exactly, but it seems this one was, mainly by people who remember the show. Another is Andahar, which is a unicorn mount given to Dwiss Duerden. Uh, this unicorn could be summoned from a silver charm and was Drist's mount on occasion. A more interesting iconic unicorn is Cameron. Cameron was awakened by the Earth Mother Goddess in the Moonshire Isles to help fight Kazgaroth, an aspect of the god Malar that manifested as a giant Tyrannosaurus Rex. When I wrote that sentence, it didn't seem quite so weird as it did when I said it aloud. Very well. I should also mention that there are a few attempts to make unicorns a playable race in D&D. My favorite was written by the Tom Show's own Brandis Stoddard, and you should go read it if you're interested in the idea. I will include an, a link in the show notes. Since the beginning, unicorns have been an odd match to D&D. Well, they are certainly an iconic, legendary creature. The base default for most D&D games is that the players are heroes. Heroes are not likely to fight unicorns. It just doesn't work that way. Instead, they are often used as a plot device or a test of morality. Will your PCs save the unicorns? Is your PC good enough for the unicorn to trust them? The unicorn is uh, more of a driver of action or a change than a monster, per se. It's a test of a different sort than just something to fight. Very well. This has been our exploration of the unicorn and its place in D&D. This, like all our explorations was performed to amuse and entertain. If we have done so, I hope you will join us again. Feel free to check the Tome Show, and if you are so inclined, please visit our Patreon and contribute. Till next time, this has been Jeremiah, your monstrous ecologist, wishing you safe travels. <laughs>